Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Natural Tsunami podcast. We are offering three conversations this week, all focusing on the Journal of Hepatology paper titled Prospective Evaluation of the Prevalence of Non-Alcoholic Fatty Liver Disease and Steatohepatitis in a Large, Middle-Aged U.S. Cohort. In this conversation, three of the paper's co-authors, Stephen Harrison, Samir Gowry, and Naeem Al-Khoury, discuss the motivation to conduct this study and some of its key findings. With a sample of 664 patients, this is the largest prospective histologic study of patients with no known liver disease existing today. Its results suggest that NAFLD and NASH may be far more prevalent in asymptomatic middle-aged populations than we estimate. So, prepare to have your eyes open and your mind stretch. Sit back, listen, enjoy, learn. And when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. <laughs> Every week, a global community of fatty liver disease stakeholders comes together to explore the most important challenges in diagnosing, treating, and developing medications for patients with fatty liver diseases. Join hepatology researcher and key opinion leader Dr. Stephen Harrison, liver wellness advocate Louise Campbell, pricing and forecasting guru Roger Green, and this week's guests, hepatology researchers and key opinion leaders Dr. Naeem Alkuri and Dr. Samar Goria, as they discuss the article our three key opinion leaders authored recently on prevalence of NAFLD and NASH in an asymptomatic middle-aged U.S. population this week on the Surfing the NASH Tsunami podcast. When I looked at epidemiological studies for fatty liver and NASH, one thing that's missing is really good quality prospective data that looks not only at fatty liver, but looks at non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. And really, while we are developing non-invasive tests for that, the gold standard remains liver biopsy. So if you look at the literature and you look for prospective liver biopsy-based trials to understand the prevalence of both NAFLD and NASH, you're struck by the fact that there really aren't any. There was the one study that, that I published back in 2011 in Gastro, which was very similar to the one we're going to talk about today. It was was a much smaller study and it used ultrasound alone to guide whether or not we did liver biopsies, but it was limited by the number of NASH patients that were diagnosed and the number of non-invasive tests that were done. So we wanted to reproduce that study, but do it on a much grander scale. And the military really is optimal for doing that sort of prospective trial. The patients are generally very compliant. They span the spectrum, both in age, gender, and ethnicity, and they're responsible. So they want to complete what they start out to do. And so we embarked on this prospective trial. So the way we decided to do it was we had these very large colon cancer screening classes in our gastroenterology class clinic at Brook Army Medical Center, where patients would be referred by primary care for a routine colonoscopy, not, not a colonoscopy done because they were bleeding or had belly pain or change in stools, but just because they reached the age at which screening would be necessary as part of routine health maintenance. And so when they came in, we would teach them about colonoscopy. We'd show them a video of a colonoscopy, just the basics of what a colonoscope looked like and what preps were like and what to expect the day they came in, and then we consented them for the procedure and gave them their prep and then booked them for their follow-up appointment. At the end of that, I got up in front of the class 
and I said, how would you like to know your liver health? You're here for your colon health. I'm giving you an opportunity to take part in a study to learn your liver health. There's a couple caveats. You can't be in the study if you've had known history of liver disease to include fatty liver. You have to drink under the requisite amount of alcohol. So, you know, the classic definition, three drinks a day, 21 drinks a week for a man, two drinks a day, 14 drinks a week for a woman. If you drank less than that, you're good. More than that, you're excluded. And you couldn't be on medications that caused fatty liver. Now, if you met all those criteria, you were given a consent form and the study was explained to you. And the study went something like this. Once you signed consent, we sent you down for blood tests to uh, assess your liver function, just basic labs. And then we did a fiber scan with CAP, controlled attenuation parameter. And then we sent you for an MRI. And that MRI, we did MR proton density fat fraction. We did multi-parametric MR using the corrected T1 technique. And then we did MR elastography. And patients that had predetermined abnormal imaging parameters were offered a liver biopsy to evaluate for NASH. These biopsies were read in a blinded fashion with consensus by two expert hepatopathologists. And the prevalence of NAFLD was determined by having an MRI PDFF of greater than 5% or when the PDFF and biopsy data were available, it was determined by histologic diagnosis of fatty liver and the prevalence of NASH was defined by biopsy. So that was the way we went about the study. You know, sometimes people wonder is the Department of Defense the VA? And I would say it's a very different patient population. In the Department of Defense, patients are treated from the cradle to grave. So you're born there and oftentimes you die there. And so we have a wide spectrum of age from you know 18 all the way up into the latter years. Again, these are people presenting for colon cancer screening. So we're not going to be screening the very old, you know, a, a, a middle group of people that we concentrated on. In fact, the mean age was 56 years of age. But I do think it gives us a really good snapshot of the true prevalence of fatty liver using the gold standard MRI PDFF. And because we did biopsies prospectively, I think it gives us a nice snapshot of the prevalence and severity of NASH. Now, the usual caveats exist. It is a single center trial at a tertiary care center centered in Texas. So you can extrapolate that this isn't a global prevalence study. But the caveat is that it's liver biopsy based. And there aren't too many other studies studies where liver biopsy is utilized to determine prospectively the prevalence of NASH. So with that, I'm going to just pause for a minute and let my uh, co-authors kind of talk briefly about the results of the trial, and then we can uh, talk about some of the nuances of the data. Happy to do so. First, I really would like to thank Stephen for the opportunity to be part of this magnificent and important effort. I really enjoyed the scientific adventure, and you know, the group came to produce an important piece of medical knowledge that will have public health implications. So the big findings were that in all patients, 38% had fatty liver, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and then 14% had biopsy-proven NASH. Looking at any fibrosis, 6% had any fibrosis, and about 1.5% had advanced fibrosis defined you know, as a bridging fibrosis based on biopsy. Now, these are the high-level findings of the study, but there were many other layers of important findings. The cohort was enriched by different 
subpopulations. And because the approach was systematic, using state-of-the-art imaging modalities, coupled with predetermined criteria for offering biopsy that was centrally read, we got really high-value data. For example, some of the important data we found was that in certain subgroups, the prevalence of NAFL is very, very high and higher than the 38% overall prevalence in the cohort. So if you look at patients who have diabetes, 70% of them had NAFL. That's quite a high rate. And of diabetics, 35% who agreed to have a biopsy had NASH. This is a very important finding, which has screening implications for, you know, NAFL and NASH in this high-risk, high-prevalence population. If you look at Hispanics, the prevalence of NAFL was 55%. And if you look at NASH, Hispanics had 25% prevalence of NASH. Now, when a patient had compounded risk factors, the prevalence of both NAFL and NASH increased. So these are the high-level findings of the study. Obviously, in the current era of non-invasive testing, fibro scans, and MRI, the, the study seriously raises the question of should we embark on a systemic effort to look for clinically significant NAFL which means NASH or NAFL with fibrosis in certain high-risk populations. I also want to thank Stephen and the team in San Antonio for conducting this rigorous study. I think this is as good as it will ever get in terms of determining the prevalence of NASH because NASH is a histologic diagnosis and it's really hard to do these biopsy studies. Most of the previous estimates were based on liver enzymes such as ALT elevation, liver ultrasound, which has several limitations, sensitivity and specificity. We have some data now with fiber scan, but it's not as accurate as MRI PDFF to quantify liver fat. So I think this is a landmark paper. As Samer said, I mean, this was kind of middle-aged Americans. It's not, you know, a representative of the entire United States adult population. So the median age was 56. We had maybe over-representation of obesity. 52% were obese. Mean BMI was around 30 kilogram per meter square. At the end of the day, I think this shows that if you take your average middle-aged American coming for screening colonoscopy without any history of any liver disease that they know of, if you screen for NAFL, you're going to find it in more than one-third of individuals, and then, you know, NASH was present in 14%. As uh, Samer said, you know, if you look at diabetics, it was almost double the rates for both NAFL and NASH. Hispanics had higher rates. As we've known all along, uh, African Americans had lower rates, which is a good thing. But if you start uh, compiling these risk factors, so if you take Latino man with type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, obesity, you're talking about rates as high as 80 to 90 percent having NAFLD and then NASH in the 35 to potentially 50 percent. So we are getting to a point with all these data that we need to think about a systematic way to screen for NAFLD and determine its severity in high-risk groups. And I think this is one of the biggest unmet needs in the field that we really don't have any guidance who should be screened for NAFLD. We are updating the ASLD guidance and hopefully we will have concrete recommendations who should be screened. I like the easel guidelines now that they recommend patients with type 2 diabetes be screened for NAFLD with liver enzymes and ultrasound. We have some cost-effectiveness data showing that if you actually take middle-aged diabetics that this is cost-effective and there are several ways to do the screening. These data shows not only that NAFLD is very common but that NASH is actually more common than what we thought previously. Again, diabetics, Hispanics, you know, combination of risk factors definitely have very good chance of having a significant disease 
what we call fibrotic NASH. And these are the patients that will qualify for pharmacologic treatments once they become approved in the next couple of years. So in my mind, this is the time to start a large screening program and identify these patients so we can prevent progression to cirrhosis. I think one of the good findings in the study was that we didn't find any patients with uh, cirrhosis, but I think this has to do, again, with the fact that these patients had no known history of any liver disease. We excluded anyone with known elevation and liver enzymes. They're completely asymptomatic from the liver standpoint. And we have data from previous studies showing that uh, potentially up to 1% to 2% of the adult population of the United States may be at risk for NAS cirrhosis. So this is a big percentage when you're talking about end organ damage. Well, I just wanted to chime in on a follow-up. So I, I think maybe some additional data relative to the study is the numbers of people that were enrolled. So 835 signed consent, 664 patients really comprised the data set from which MRIs were done and liver biopsies were performed if warranted. So the 664 number is the denominator from which we derived the prevalence of fatty liver. Ultimately, around 99 patients were diagnosed with NASH. A couple other interesting Interesting tidbits that I think Naeem hit on a little bit, but I just want to foot stomp. 35% of these patients had F2 or F3 fibrosis. As mentioned, there was no cirrhotics. But remember, these people came in thinking their livers were normal. They didn't have any history of liver disease. They weren't concerned about their livers being sick. They were interested in finding out about their liver health, but they weren't coming in with any preconceived ideas that they had a liver problem. Just to clarify that number before we go on, that's 35% of the 14%? That's correct. It's 5.7% if I my math is, if my memory serves me correct, had F2 or F3 disease. So if you look at this from a global perspective, what we quote when the three of us write papers on fatty liver is 3 to 5% of the population has NASH. Well, that may be true for the overall population, although I'm a bit skeptical that that's an underestimation. But at least in the people that we generally see in clinic, this middle-aged cohort of patients, again, the mean age 50, the prevalence is much higher, around 14%. Again, the alarming thing is that those with F2 or F3 disease, 58 5.7, 5.9%, somewhere in there. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We will be back on Wednesday, May 19th, to discuss escalation and de-escalation of NASH therapy at different points in disease progression and management. I hope you join us then. Our guests will be Dr. Mazen Nuruddin, and Stephen and Louise will be with me as well. Until then, stay safe. See you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.